Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi from London. Please click that subscribe button on your favorite podcast app if you haven't already, and please share widely with others as well. Today we're going to be talking about high-quality public education in Brazil, and we have none other than Dennis Misney, who is the Chief Executive Officer of the Lehman Foundation. Now, before we kick things off, I'd like to extend a heartfelt thanks to our sponsors, Quilt AI. Quilt AI is an artificial intelligence-powered consumer insights and market research platform. They currently work with approximately 100 clients, ranging from large corporates such as Coca-Cola, Unilever, and Visa, to technology companies such as Twitter and Amazon, and large philanthropic organizations such as the Gates Foundation, the World Bank, Girl Effect, the UN, and Children's Investment Fund Foundation. With 6 million data sources and hundreds of AI models, they are able to answer any consumer or beneficiary research problem across more than 90 countries. And in 2019, their mission-based technology approach led The Economist to calling them an AI for good company. So check them out at quilt.ai. Today we are talking about high quality public education and driving forward impact on this field at scale. We have none other than Dennis Misney on the show today. He is the Chief Executive Officer of the Lehman Foundation. He joins us from Brazil. I'm here in London. And without further ado, Dennis, a big heartfelt welcome onto the Do One Better podcast today. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Great. Well, you're out there in Brazil. I'm here in the UK. We're going to have a great conversation. I'd love to find out a little bit more about the Lehman Foundation. I know you and I had the pleasure of meeting a few years back now. Remind me a little bit more about the foundation and the work you're doing out there in Brazil. So the Lemon Foundation is a, is a family foundation. Uh, and basically what we're trying to do is to help Brazil become a more developed and fair country. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way we look at it, Brazil hasn't achieved that goal of being developed and fair because we are wasting our most important resource, which is basically people, Right. And, and we see that, that we are wasting our people, we're wasting talent in Brazil for many, many decades now, uh, basically because of two things that we think the foundation can help with. One is our, our public education system. Over 85% of the kids in Brazil are enrolled in our public education system. 100% of the kids have a place in school, a free public school with a certified teacher and, and textbooks and everything uh, starting on age six. Uh, but the problem is, even though they are in school, when you go fast forward and they fin- when, when you look at who, what are the 18 years old in Brazil, people finishing high school, and you're going to figure out that, you know, 40% of them abandoned uh, school before finishing, which is a, a, a terrible uh, statistic. But the m- worst statistic is that out of those who actually finished, only about 10% learned what was expected of them. Mm-hmm. And... And so we are really underutilizing our potential, right? Uh, Out of the almost 3 million babies that are born, when you look at when they are graduating, you only have about 200,000, which are now ready to go to universities, ready to use their full potential to transform and to help our country and to collaborate uh, uh, with our country. So the first thing that we're trying to do is to change that, to make sure that our, our public education system is delivering great education for every single kid. Then we can increase from those 200,000 to 500,000 to a million to 
you know, the full 3 million uh, uh, who actually go through it. So this is the number one thing that we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And the second thing we try to do and where we see that talent could be better managed, I think it's not only a, a question for Brazil. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a universal question is that as a society, we're not allocating our most talented people to tackling our hardest social problems. Right. A lot of our talented people are going to, you know, banking and, and uh, consultancy companies and law firms. And, and it's all good. I mean, you need people in on the private sector for sure. But when you think about what you're what we're living this year with the pandemic, when we think about, you know, refugee crisis, when we think about climate change, when we think about, you know, the, the challenges in education in public health. Uh, in public safety, terrorism, these are super hard problems, right? And in order to solve them, it's not about only putting money. We really need our best brains, our most prepared people, right? People who are ready to make a difference. So the second thing we're trying to do is to kind of push uh, some of the most talented Brazilians to go into the, the public sector, the social sector, academia, to really dedicate their lives to tackling some of these problems. And we hope to create a critical mass of these talented people and that they can have a disproportionate difference uh, in the way our country is moving. So if everything goes well, we have a public education system that is delivering for all kids. Uh, and those kids are, are reaching their full potential and transforming the country. And at the same time, we are creating these generations of leaders uh, who are going to be in the key positions in the country with diverse points of view, diverse ideologies uh, and everything. But they are going to be uh, uh, helping Brazil accelerate this path towards uh, development and, and justice. Hmm. Fascinating. And tell me, how long's the um, foundation been around? Tell me a little bit about its founder and, uh, and what, the, uh, what the organization looks like today. So the foundation was established in 2002 by Jorge Paulo Lemon. Uh, Jorge Paulo is a global entrepreneur. He's a Brazilian from Swiss origin. He is a self-made billionaire who basically built basically a strategy on how to uh, surround himself uh, with excellent people and, and help to use uh, their talent to, to do big things in business. That was his trajectory. So today he is the uh, major, the controlling uh, uh, shareholder of companies like Anheuser-Busch InBev, which is the largest beer producer in the world, Kraft Heinz, which is one of the largest uh, food companies in the world, uh, Burger King, uh, and other companies like that. So he controls very, very big uh, global brands and, and companies. And with this management style that was known by betting on people and really uh, uh, seeing the potential of these people change these companies and, and change their sectors. And he started the foundation trying to think, is it possible to replicate that in a way for the public, right, for the public good? Can we create a philanthropy that is focused on people, that is going to, you know, help Brazil achieve its potential, basically by helping each Brazilian to achieve its potential? So I think it connects really well with the strategy that I described you. So that's that's where we come from. The first 10 years was a very, very small organization. Uh, they were only kind of just starting and testing and, um, and had one program training school principals. And then in 2012, we started to kind of think about the future. I joined the foundation uh, around this time to kind of help the board uh, really build a, uh, an organization that could be 
transformative for Brazil and 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 could really uh, build uh, an impact here. Mm. Uh, and today, the organization we are we are about seventy people. We try to keep uh, rather small. We have been investing mostly in Brazil, but with a global focus. So we partner with organizations all around the globe to learn from the best and help Brazil become, uh, uh, accelerate the path towards what we think the country deserves to be. And that's, that's us. And we're, we're, we used to be a very operational foundation. And now we are more and more a strategic grant maker, I would say, with kind of very committed to the impact that those grants are going to generate on the ground. Your work's been described truly as transformational by quite a few education experts that I know in terms of the realities in Brazil, the sort of change that's happening. 70 staff members is not a small organization, but it's also possibly not a huge number. Bearing in mind the number of students and young people that you're you're impacting on a day-to-day basis, give us a little bit of a feel for uh, where you're operating in Brazil, what sort of scale we're looking at at Brazil, because I know it's truly significant. So Brazil is a large country, right? 200 million people. Uh, we have about 40 million uh, kids in, in schools uh, in K through 12, which is our focus. Uh, the foundation works at national uh, scale. Uh, we really want to, to help Brazil move the needle. We have been growing over the past 10 years to make sure that we could find uh, strategies that could scale up significantly, right? And we're basically uh, betting on on a combination of three things. Okay. Uh, in our education pillar that I described, we think that one way to have impact at scale is to really work around key structural policy changes, right? And so help Brazil uh, gain consensus, generate consensus around some of the structural changes that need to happen. And I, I talk about structural changes because there are so many policy things that you can dedicate yourself to, right? We try to focus on the ones that, that could kind of uh, help the country leapfrog or organize the system around a change that is meaningful. And the reason why we work with, with public policy, it's because, you know, you can do this with, uh, with few people, you can leverage a lot your your investment and also because in a democracy right you know the the public policies and we we believe kind of that that's that's how it should be in the in the legitimate process of of bringing change right the, the, we we want the government to succeed in running the vast majority of the education system and i think that's where the debate is so a uh, few examples there we were really involved for example in helping brazil build its national learning standards. So define very clearly what kids need to learn at every grade level, right? And this is important, you know, because every successful school system around the world, it could be as different in terms of perspective of education, like Finland and South Korea, uh, but they all have standards, right? You are in the UK, the UK has standards. Uh, uh, the US created the Common Core a few years ago. But if you look to like France and whatever, Japan, uh, Singapore, everybody starts from the basics, which is what our schools should deliver to our kids, right? How our kids should uh, finish school, ready to do what, with what skills and what competencies. So in Brazil, this was not the case. Uh, so we helped organize a movement around that and to really generate consensus around a very fragmented political reality that I think, unfortunately, people around uh, outside Brazil know more and more about. 
it's a complex country in terms of, of, you know, reaching consensus, but we thought we could serve as an independent organization, uh, as a, a, you know, an organization that is independent from political parties, from ideological views. We could serve as this kind of hub to help uh, generate consensus around the need for standards first, then could have access to some of the top experts on standards around the world, and then connect that to the classroom level here, how teachers are seeing it, and help kind of uh, uh, achieve this as a movement with many other organizations. Uh, but Brazil, we started uh, mobilizing around that in 2014. By 2018, standards were approved. And they they started to get to enter into force in 2020 was the first school year. So that's an example of how you can that's mandatory for every public and private school in Brazil. So that's that's a process where in five years uh, you can really support something that will be uh, transformational. And, and we think not because standards are going to change learning, but because standards kind of then mandate what textbooks are going to look like. And they reorganize assessment around that and they reorganize teacher preparation uh, and training around that. And that's important because it brings a more coherent education system to the classroom level. Right. And once you can get there, you're going to get better, better results or plenty of evidence around that. So so this is one way that that we operate. The second is direct support to the school districts so that. Uh, we can make sure that these policies and other policies that are very effective are actually reaching the classroom level. Learning is going to change. You know, you can have the best policies in the world, but in the end of the day, you need a great teacher teaching their kids and making sure they are learning. So uh, we will also uh, kind of work at scale with directly with districts all over the country. And the last part of what we do in education is try to foster a an environment where technology can help education. So that's around school connectivity uh, and and using technology to kind of accelerate both the transformation in, at the district level, but also kind of help the implementation of other policies that are, that are going to come. So these are examples on our education pillar of how we, we have been trying to uh, make a difference at, uh, at scale in, in a large country. Mm. And when you're talking about working with school districts and and school systems, is that um, is that at the state level? Are you dealing with the the Ministry of Education at a given state, or is it literally in, at different towns? Uh, because if that's the case, a country with your geographic uh, footprint might be very difficult to do. Um, tell me a little bit about how you're engaging with with those uh, with those school authorities. That's that's a good question there because. We struggled a lot to really find a model to make um, how how we could work in a country, as you said, as diverse and as as big uh, as Brazil. And I think we explored many ways mm -hmm. uh, to do teacher training at scale, and we measured all of them. Uh, we we literally tested a hundred different ways of trying to to do this. Uh, and and we we use a common rubric to all of them. And after a couple of years kind of putting them out there, we realized that what seemed to be most effective was to work with school districts. So in Brazil, we have both state districts uh, and municipal districts, right? So, uh, and one, once you work at the district level, that helps because you can bring coherence uh, to the whole district because you can have, you can leverage the district resources that are already being used anyway. 
and you can make this in a more scalable way. And then thinking about how to do this in a scalable way, we tried to design a, a program to support school districts that could one day reach 10% of the kids in the country. And these number 10% is not that we think 10% are going to be enough. We, we really strive to help 100%. We want Brazil, 100% of Brazilian kids to succeed. But we think if we could impact 10%, that were like a mini Brazil, we call it, like a, a good version of the whole country, a good representation of the whole country, that if it could work with 10% of the kids, this would be a good kind of, we are at the right size, right? If you're discussing 10%, you can discuss 20 and 50. It's not that further away. Whereas a lot of times we see great work being done by NGOs in education that are working with like 50 schools or 100 schools. And then they say, now the job of the government is only to replicate, right? Civil society should be innovators and the government should scale up. And we think the hard part is really scaling up, right? And so that's why we thought, okay, if we, if we have to do it 10%, we will necessarily need to, to think about scale since day one. And uh, last year, we achieved this milestone of, of reaching 10% of the kids in the country. Congratulations. Uh, we are at, at 52 school districts. So although we have over 5,000 school districts, uh, because of the geographical concentration and working with states, uh, which are way larger school districts, we could reach this 10% with you, uh, working with these 50 uh, school districts, which are a good representation. We are in the middle of the Amazon. We are in the southeast and the large urban areas. Uh, we are in the northeast uh, of the country. And so, you know, countryside and, and larger urban areas and, and things like that. And the interesting part is that now we can measure it. And Brazil has national assessments every two years, which every student needs to take. And we are seeing that these 10%, they are outperforming the country three to five times. So they are, learning is growing there three to five times faster than they are uh, in the rest of the country. So we, it's, it's still not fast enough. Uh, the, the results in education in Brazil needs a, you know, it needs a boost. When, sorry, when you're saying they're growing, you mean that the, the actual performance, the, the outcomes are, are, are of a higher standard or that you're getting more people involved in education? No, it means that the students in the districts that we are supporting are performing uh, uh, better in the national assessment. So it's actually the end of the game, right? It's student learning. We're, we're, uh, so so it's, it's exciting. I mean, it's, it's encouraging. But there's a long way to go to, to first make sure that this is sustainable uh, over the long run. Uh, we've been doing this for about four years now. And now to see... Uh, how this, uh, how, what's the next strategy, like the next level to deepen the impact, uh, to make sure that it's growing even faster, potentially, and then think how we can translate that to the, to the rest. But this is, that's an example of, of trying to figure out, I think, like, you know, not, we shouldn't shy away because of the size of the country. We need to kind of grow and be able to make a difference there because otherwise, uh, the needle is not going to move. And if the needle doesn't move, if more kids are not becoming literate at the right level, if they are not, you know, really moving forward to high school, if they are not, if they don't stop dropping out, if they don't finish school, having acquired the necessary skills, this country will never uh, be more developed and fair. We'll see more and more what we call here in Brazil, lost decades, 
decades where you know the GDP is not growing, where we're seeing inequality rise, and and we think public education is it should be right, must be uh, the great kind of solver of inequality, and and it's not right. So I think the the reason why we're so motivated by that is that we we really think inequality. Uh, Brazil is one of the most unequal societies in the world, and our public education should be helping. Uh, uh, to change that, and and hopefully this will be the case uh, if if the country prioritizes education and if these strategies are are being taken forward and 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 they can sustain those results in the long run. With that, by the way, congratulations! I think that's um, huge scale, really impressive. What's the secret formula? If if there is a secret formula, or, or maybe even if it's not a, a secret formula as such, what, what's the the thrust of the of the sort of engagement that you're driving forward that is leading to these increased performance uh, outcomes? I think the best way to describe it is we built a, an operational system, kind of like you have in your phones or on your you know, uh, uh, computers. It's kind of the operational system for learning management, right? So a big part of it is uh, we, we've built with the districts and with experts uh, from around the world kind of these roadmap on, okay, these are the six pillars of achieving uh, learning excellence, right? You need great curriculum. You need great teacher preparation. You need uh, uh, pedagogical management, right? Fo following up with the schools and knowing what's going on. So you need great school leadership and things like that. So we organize that around six pillars. And on each pillar, we created a series of kind of predictors, we call them, of great learning. So that describe like, okay, which and, 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 and districts when they join the program, the first thing that happened is an assessment on every school in the district where they are self-assessing kind of where we are, right? How good we are in curriculum or in teacher preparation or, you know, with the quality of our assessments and textbooks and things like that, right? And once you do that, you have kind of then it's, it's up for every district to figure out their priorities, where they want to start, how they're going to uh, uh, organize things. But, but everybody gets the same kind of set of, of indicators. And then we put a team of, it's a combination of, of consultants, our consultants, right? And, and uh, which are people normally very experienced people. Uh, who were former uh, heads of districts, uh, former teachers, former school principals, like with really on the ground knowledge and legitimacy, paired with people who could be a McKinsey or, or you know, a, a BCG consultant. So they have the analytical and the kind of the, you know, drive in terms of organizing. So it's, it's normally a pair of people or several pairs of people who are going to work with the district to kind of help them set the pace and work around their priorities. So this is kind of putting the operational system in. And then we bring a few programs uh, that if the this district has a problem in school management, then we support them to train all their school leaders, right? And then to train the people at the district level who are going to, to go to the schools and and make sure that they are uh, uh, working with the school principals in, in every area to make sure that they are focused on learning, right? So, so together with this more consultancy and kind of more analytical and, and the database and the indicators, there is this concrete uh, support in areas like how to teach Portuguese, how to teach math, 
and how to run a classroom and how to run a school. So, so we bring this to the district and, and it, through this combination, we are seeing these results. So it, and I think the last part of this secret sauce, which is really important, we work with districts that are willing to work with us. So we don't select based on the best or the worst. We want to make sure, as I said before, it's a good representation of the country, geographically, economically, and everything. Uh, but but we, we prioritize those districts who say, actually, I'm, I want to change. I want to make a difference here, and I need help. We don't try to convert people, right? And we hope the results of those groups who are already wanting to change but can't achieve change alone, that the results will make more people willing to try. Maybe if they were not, uh, but we don't try to work with people who are resistant, who, you know, because otherwise it's, it's a lot of energy uh, just to, you know, just to start. Uh, so I think that's that's another relevant component. And so far, to reach this 10%, we were able to find uh, enough uh, leaders uh, who want to change. And we hope these first results will help find more people in the future. <laughs> really remarkable insight. How did you develop this whole approach? Because it's not something that you just pencil in the back of a napkin. Um, must have taken a lot of time to to tweak and develop this sort of approach and also possibly exchanging notes with experts from other organizations and other countries? So, we, yeah, for sure. We started, it's, it's interesting because we started uh, in 2016 uh, inside the foundation and, and we put together this, you know, large group of experts from Brazil and from outside and we studied all the kind of uh, the school transformation programs and district transformation programs around the world and, and kind of, you know, do review of the literature. And we came up with this beautiful plan, right, that was academically sound. And we felt, okay, now we're ready. And then, you know, after six months on the ground, we went back and said, okay, we need to rewrite everything, right? It's, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's, so there was a lot of learning from, um, you know, I, I, I don't think it was a waste of time to do the, the first phase, uh, but I think it's definitely you shouldn't wait very long uh, to go to the ground and test it. And I think the other thing is, even though we started with six school districts with about 100,000 students, which is a small number for Brazil, uh, we always uh, designed it to be able to be used by millions of kids. And that's relevant because you, you think about the cost right? Per student, it needs to be a certain cost. If you start with a super high cost and try to reduce it later, our experience is it's, it doesn't work. You're not going to be able to reduce it later. Uh, and there's also the capacity at the same time as we were doing in the beginning, the foundation staff was implementing this, right? And then uh, we looked, okay, if we're going to reach the scale that we want, we will not be able to do this with our team. So we started to build capacity, uh, uh, outside the foundation, uh, working with organizations who could then lead the program, right? And then basically today we have two organizations, one that spun off from the foundation. So the team who was doing this, now they are a separate organization, uh, which is, you know, operational. They are looking into this. They only think about this the whole day. Uh, so they are, they are uh, taking the program to about half of, of, the, of the kids and the other half uh, we partner with um, 
former a former mayor and a former uh, uh, minister of education of a city in Brazil, which is the most successful education example. It's called Sobral in Ceará, a very poor city in the Northeast with exceptional results. And they and we work with them to kind of build uh, kind of their version of the program. And now they operate the other half. So with that, we have two very, very good organizations who are actually leading the program. The foundation can sit and, and be a grant maker and a strategic grant maker. So we are there. We are on the boards. We are we are working with them on the decisions. But we are not the ones implementing the program. And that allowed us to do the next level of scaling up, right? Because these organizations, and if needed, we can, you know, uh, bring another organization or these organizations can grow more and they can go uh, uh, taking. And, and then it's all about making sure that they are talking to each other, right? Uh, we have every, every year, we have a meeting of all the districts. So they exchange best practices. And of course, the teams working on the different districts, they are all the time. Right, exchanging notes and, and learning from each other in the two different organizations, inside and amongst them. So I think that's that's really important to kind of keep updating uh, the program. We, we, we focus 100% on pedagogy in the beginning. And now we're seeing that if we don't tackle the financial and administrative side of school districts, it's going to be hard to sustain the growth, right? So now you need to bring expertise uh, to do this. So there are a lot of things that change and keep changing. Uh, uh, through the years. Really, really incredible. In terms of exchanging notes with, with folks in other countries, uh, these are not small test beds. I mean, you're, when you're dealing at, at this sort of scale in a country like Brazil and you're, and you're having these results and you're having the experience that you're developing, um, what do you do with all of this knowledge? How do you share it with other like-minded organizations in major places like India and vice versa? And how do you share this insight so that others could benefit from it irrespective of where they might be? On one hand, we are a very learning-focused organization. So we spend time visiting and talking and participating like the conference where we met and uh, try to you know, be, keep our heads up and, and, and learn from what's coming from other places. But I think, uh, uh, so in a way, we are talking to people. But on the other hand, I think in the past few years, we have been very, very like looking, like working on the ground and and making sure, you know, these national learning standards were approved or that this program got rolled out and then the whole leadership uh, pillar uh, that we didn't have a, a chance to talk about. So I think we didn't do enough of that kind of, especially at the international level. I think in Brazil, uh, there, is a, there is a great uh, relationship between the, the largest foundations and districts. And, and I think this collaboration has been going well. But I think, I think it's something certainly that we need to do more. And I hope to... Uh, now that, that, you know, we are a little bit more, you know, we have more information around what's going on, uh, that we can share more and discuss more and, and, and spread the word and, and keep learning from others. And if we can help somehow, happy to help. I'm sure there's a huge volume of, uh, information there for, for people to benefit from. How did you get into all of this, by the way? How did you, um, end up where you are today and what was a little bit of your trajectory? I went to law school in Brazil and I was always kind of motivated to do public good things. I was never really motivated to go out there and make money or, or to be a traditional lawyer or something like that. I went into law school with this kind of naive vision that, you know, lawyers bring justice. 
which it's very fast that you learn, you know, in the first semester of law school, you realize that's not the case. Uh, and then I got involved with a lot of the kind of politics and, in, 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 you know, student associations and things like that. And in at law school, we launched a group of students. We launched a a large campaign uh, to reduce violence uh, in Brazil. It was the first disarmament campaign, gun control movement in Brazil uh, in the end of the 90s. Uh, and that's where when homicides were like peaking in Sao Paulo and young people our age at the time were the ones both killing and being killed. Uh, and in 90% of the cases, there was a gun. So we decided to focus on guns and we decided to focus on a collective way to kind of solve uh, a crime, which was normally more of the social society movements were more for vengeance, right? Was like, we need to get, you know, death penalty, or we need to do something like radical. And and that started as a, as a kind of a university project, but became a, a large campaign uh, in Brazil. And, and it actually kind of shaped my life because I ended up, we transformed with a few uh, colleagues uh, this campaign into an NGO. I ran this NGO that still is around, uh, is is a relevant organization in Brazil working with crime prevention. Um, and so I work, I, I ran this organization for about uh, 10 years. And then 10 years ago, uh, Jorge Paulo Lemon, the founder of Lemon Foundation, he was uh, looking for someone to kind of push this, uh, the foundation forward, you know, build this this capacity that we talked about. And and I, I decided to come, and he decided to have me here, which it was great. Um, and so it's kind of education took me away from crime, right? That's that's how it should be. Uh, and now I've been working with uh, education for the past ten years. So that's that's good me. Good for you. Good for you. Now you give me a little bit of an overview. You just mentioned the past ten years. What about the the next ten years as we come up to the Sustainable Development Goals for twenty thirty? What uh, what do you when you when you're thinking about success for the next ten years? What does that look like? Oh, I think for us, what we really want to see is I think my my feeling is that these past ten years at the foundation we were getting ready in the sense that we were figuring out our strategy, we were putting together these things that could scale. We were learning how to do the advocacy work. We were learning how to do these operation at scale without becoming a large foundation, being able to keep a strategic foundation large in the sense of staff, right? Uh, that uh, so my sense is that now we we have a we are way better positioned than we were ten years ago to really commit to moving the needle in the really on the spirit of the SDGs, right? We want to make sure that for me, success in the end of those. Uh, 10 years is that, you know, we are, we are seeing that Brazil really made progress at scale in, in, in literacy, in, you know, in the, in the results in terms of what kids learn when they finish high school and, and things like that. So I want to make sure that this is, this is working. And uh, we want to make sure that these leaders that we support, that is now in 10 years, it's a normal thing to find like people with, you know, high caliber very talented, occupying key positions in government and politics and the NGO sector and things like that. And, and I hope that we have learned how to do this in a way that we are collaborating with some of the best uh, foundations around the world. So this is, that would be a, a good ride. Like if we can see this, you know, really, really millions and millions of Brazilians have now a, a better education for sure. And, and, and this, is, this is a reality. 
and we have these great leaders in, in key positions in Brazil, I think I think the country would be, ah, we, we have contributed to the country to give a step in the right direction. Mm. Well, here's to your success. And indeed, I think it would be a good ride, as you say. And uh, before we wrap up, a key takeaway for our listeners, what's that one thing you'd love for them to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's episode? I think in the end of the day, you have to be extremely committed to the end goal, right? You shouldn't, you know, dwell too much on the details. You should like, you know, in the end of the day, I think the main difference, at least for us here is like, don't focus on your projects. Don't be too, you know, in love with the projects or the initiatives that you're funding or operating. You should be really in love with the problem you're trying to solve. And then you should do whatever it takes uh, to get there, right? And I think this focus on solving the problem is what I think can, can make a difference between having great projects or great initiatives, but still seeing the same persistent problems that we're trying to tackle to keep uh, there. So I think we have to uh, really kind of put the focus on, on solving the problem uh, for good. Excellent. I love it. Dennis Misny. CEO of the Lemon Foundation, thank you very much for joining us today on the Do One Better podcast. And to our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Please share widely with others as well. Dennis, thank you ever so much. Really great uh, speaking with you again and, uh, and learning from you as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Roberto. Great uh, conversation. And that's a wrap. Thank you very much for listening to the Do One Better podcast today. Very much appreciated. Please click that subscribe button if you haven't already on your favorite podcast app. And please tell your friends, family, and colleagues about this show. We grow through word of mouth, and I appreciate it very much. Thank you as ever for listening and for tuning in. Any feedback or any comments, please write in. You can visit our website at liji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I.org where you'll find a transcript of today's conversation and you'll also find episode notes and useful links on more than 100 episodes focused on philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. Thank you very much and see you next week.